It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. The New York Knicks fall 98-94 to to the Orlando Magic as Tom Thibodeau's Josh Hart obsession killing the Knicks. Another career high produced McBride, Julius Randall Hurt. We have it all for you now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel make every moment more. Right now, new customers get 150 bucks in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. And I wanted to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day because we are now available on all platforms. So if you want to see our smiling faces day in and day out, you got to go to YouTube because as much as podcasts have advanced, you still can't see people. Alex, when are they going to figure that out? Well, you can do it if you go to YouTube. So be sure to subscribe, hit the notifications bell so you never miss an episode and then that hit that auto download function on your audio podcast platform of choice. Alex taught me that term last show. I listened. I've incorporated it. We're rolling here. Um, but who's talking to you? I'm Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. He's Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the Strickland. Uh, another fantastic game produced McBride, Alex. Three o'clock uh, performance, Martin Luther King Day against the Orlando Magic. But the New York Knicks fall with Jalen Brunson participating in shoot-around. Ultimately, not up to play yet. Julius Randle turning an ankle in, a se- in the second quarter. That clearly compromised him for the rest of this one. 
And then we both took issue. And and maybe maybe this is picking nits, given that they had one in like, or uh, excuse me, I'll say a quarter of a star in this game with Julius Randle. And the Orlando Magic are a really good team. So again, maybe, maybe this is like, like first world problems, champagne problems for the New York Knicks. But we both were kind of of the opinion that Tom Thibodeau's usage of Josh Hart and, and Josh Hart's usage of himself cost the Knicks in this one. Yeah, and it's becoming, unfortunately, kind of a consistent theme, which is why it's worth bringing up at this point. If it was just a one-game thing and Hart's been doing well otherwise, then fine. But in this new world where, you know, post-OG trade, where OG's sort of getting some, like, spot four-ish minutes now uh, behind Julius Randle with the bench unit from time to time, that's sort of taking away part of what Josh Hart was doing in those minutes. And now Tibbs is kind of taking it upon himself to move Josh Hart back to the two, which like nominally when he came into the league, that was viewed as his position. It's become obvious in his time with the Knicks though, that, you know, in terms of the hierarchy on the court, you should not have him out there as anything higher than like the three. He should be the three or the four nominally on the court just for spacing issues, because having him out there as the two, he can't, shoot it this game was just another indication of just like the guy is so hesitant to shoot the three sometimes and you know i was saying to you before the show like it's like he goes through phases where sometimes he's like pure hair trigger second the ball touches his hands he's ready to let it rip and other times he gets a wide open corner three and he sits there with the ball in his hands for two straight seconds until a guy closes out on him and then just kind of does nothing with it and that's not working right now like they definitely need the spacing uh, when they have him out there, if he's going to be out there as the nominal shooting guard. Uh, so how do you fix that? Well, there's a very easy solution, and it's just playing Quentin Grimes more. And he would fit so much more with what the Knicks need right now. And better yet, he's playing better. Like, he had one, was it was it last, last game? He didn't really uh, stand out as far as, you know, how well he shot the ball. But on the overall, for the last, like, 10 games or so, Grimes has been playing really well. Like, he's been finding his shot again. He seems to be finding his confidence. And yet we're running into sort of the same deal as like we would run into with Emmanuel quickly, for example, which I, I think I brought up on the last show or two shows ago too, where he's only playing like in this game, there was a 10 minute spread between Josh Hart and Quentin Grimes. And one of them had eight points in 14 minutes. The other one had four points in 24 minutes. And I'll let you guess who had which. Uh, and it's also not like Josh Hart was doing like, tons of distributing in this game yeah. or like running the break like crazy and scoring tons of points that way or or doing or, you know distributing on the break like doing any of the things that sometimes set him above when he's playing at his best and i just kind of at this point wish the tibbs would hold heart to the same standard that he holds most of the other bench players to which is just like if you're playing well you, you earn more minutes if you're not you don't and he was not playing that well in this game. And I think a few more minutes of Quentin Grimes maybe would have turned things the other way for the Knicks because there were some key junctures where Josh Hart was out there and the, the Knicks couldn't buy a bucket. They went, they had another one of those just disaster stretches. Yeah. I think it was in the fourth quarter where yeah, they so let me let me I have it up right here. So it was seven and a half minutes to go in the game. They were at 88 points. They only scored six more the entire game in seven yeah. and a half minutes. I have a whole whole uh, I can I can go into an hour later, but I've I've I I tracked like pretty much all of it. And there were just a lot of issues there. Go for it. Because I mean, the, the thing was they went, I think it was almost five minutes without a bucket before they finally got a couple down the stretch, but yeah, get, get into it. I mean, it was, that was a pitiful stretch. 
Yeah, so we, I mean, we, we keep bringing them up, but they are having one of these a game, it feels like at this point, and I'd have to go back and look, but it feels like a lot of times it happens when Josh Hart is on the floor. So I'm, I'm going to circle back to Josh Hart, but, but let's just say down the stretch of this game, they were leading um, 88-81. They also, I think they had something like 84 points with 10 minutes left. They only scored, I think, 10 inside the final 10 or nine inside the final 10. Not a good finish for this game. Um, Over that stretch, like the issues were were pretty widespread. Like Dante DiVincenzo missed a wide open three. OG Ananobi missed that fairly open three late. He also had a play where he caught a ball out of bounds. He had a play where he traveled on a drive. Deuce missed an open three. Dante DiVincenzo went a combined two for four at the line, including one trip with 105 left where they absolutely needed them. Randall had this like great heroic play to draw foul, playing on one foot. It was this epic drive. And then he went over two at the line. But to me, the biggest thing was that Josh Hart again was like passing up open threes. Like he caught one ball on the wing where he was fairly open, didn't shoot, decided to drive, ended up being like a contested, like running hook, which is the type of shot that he just seems to pull out of his you-know-what like every so often. Um, But tonight it didn't go down. And then the way more egregious one was like literally the next possession, wide, wide open, decides not to shoot it. That sequence ends in Julius Randle trying to ISO and like taking a fader off one foot with our our former beloved on the court, not off uh, Jonathan Isaac in his face. And and it, it was an air ball. And on a night where Randall's playing on one foot, like if you're out there in crunch time, you need to be able to shoot a three. And, and when Josh Hart signed this contract, we said like how well it ages is going to come down to how real his shooting was on the Knicks. And of course on the Knicks, he turned to the volume and at least in the regular season shot something like 55% from three that went away to some extent in the playoffs, but at least in the playoffs, particularly against the Cavs, he was generally willing to take them. What tanked them against the Miami heat as we've outlined many a time is like, he would occasionally like not shoot. And this just varied from quarter to quarter where Alex, we were talking about this pre-show, like some quarters he was willing to like fire him up with a plum and then other quarters like could be wide open, no one within 10 feet. And he was scared to shoot them. So, so far uh, this season, he is taking 2.83s per game. He's shooting them at 33%. And this is like the weird story of his career is that he shot more threes, his first, second, third, fourth, and sixth years in the NBA. And all those seasons, except for one, he also shot more accurately from three. So I think it's within him to be a fine three-point shooter. I mean, even at 33%, that is the equivalent of a 49.5% two-point shot, which is not great. But when your team is desperate for offense and you're wide open, like you'll take a coin flip that the ball will go in the basket, essentially, because that's what it adds up to. So that's where I have real issues with Hart. And, and Tibbs just has this attachment there where Hart is his new pacifier because R.J. Barrett's gone, and, and I think Hart to an even greater extent because I think Tibbs feels comfortable wrapping up games with him, and that's not to say Hart does nothing well. Like He's a core figure in so many great Knicks lineups, but they're ones that have enough shooting to supplement him, and I think that's exactly what you were getting at. Yeah, yeah, and I think that the addition of OG is sort of rendered some of that moot. You know, like some of the situations where you would have needed Hart before – you can now play OG, particularly with those bench units where like if you just need a guy that can get some rebounds and can, you know, play good defense and, you know, push the pace a little bit, you know, whatever. OG's right there. I mean, he can do a lot of that. And so he can, re- if anything, he should be eating into Hart's minutes a little bit. Now, I say this, OG played 44 minutes in this game and actually played quite well. So, you know, I'm not like I, he didn't need to play 48 in this game or anything, but you know, it's more to say if you have OG out there, 
you could play Quentin Grimes, like, and then you can get a lot of the same stuff you were getting with Hart. Not the exact same stuff, obviously. Like, I don't think OG's quite as good of a ball handler, especially like to just like push the pace and like run with the ball and get out in transition, which is Hart's greatest skill. But they kind of that valve got kind of shut off on the Knicks in this game, and especially down the stretch, like, and this you know this happened with with Deuce, this happened with a hampered Julius, which we'll get to in a minute. This happened with pretty much, you know, with OG, with pretty much everyone on the floor is where they really missed Brunson the most, to be honest. But like what Hart usually brings you is the ability to get inside and kick out to a shooter or something or get the action going. So even if he doesn't shoot that three, he at least starts the motion and gets things going. And even that wasn't really going in this game. And if that's and, and the Alex, case, real quick, yeah. like it hasn't been for most of the season, right? Like yeah. last year, it felt like every game, even the games he didn't shoot well, that energy and like electricity was there. And it's been so hit or miss this season. Yeah, for real. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of just at the point where I, I feel like something needs to change in terms of, and it's directly correlated to heart versus Grimes. Like I, you know, not to, I hate that there's always these direct, like parallels between players and we have to sort of like say ugh you know i don't want this guy playing even though like hart's a good player but like i just want him playing less like i want hart playing 15 to 20 minutes a game i want grimes playing 20 to 25 to 28 whatever minutes per game the hearts getting because i think grimes did well enough to earn that last year and he had a really tough start to this year but we're starting to see the version of him that was more like the second half version of grimes last year and so hopefully the light bulb goes off for Tibbs sooner than later because as much as he loves as, as he loves Hart, he also loves Grimes. I mean, he elevated the guy to starter last year. He made a really tough decision sitting down a $20 million player for Grimes last year, and it turned their whole season around. Mm-hmm. So hopefully he's willing to do that again uh, and sit down another $20 million player for just a few more minutes a game and just get Grimes out there and give them a little more spacing because he's, he's starting to figure it out again. I think with more time, he's going to find that consistency again. Yeah. And I think where usually you see Tibbs have issues with this is when it becomes a height issue. And that, that's whenever he would bench Emmanuel quickly for RJ Barrett. He'd be asked about it after the game. He'd say, I think we need a little bit more size out there. Well, guess what? Quentin Grimes is an inch taller than Josh Hart. I know Josh Hart plays bigger and it's, it's cited every single game by the broadcast crew. He's one of the best rebounding guards or like, if you want to call him a small forward, best rebounding small forwards in the league. And that's great. But to your point with OG and with Hartenstein and with Randall, the Knicks rarely have rebounding issues. Grimes is a fantastic one-on-one defender. In fact, he's a better one-on-one defender than Josh Hart, which was another issue we had in the playoffs where Hart was the guy getting the Butler assignment all the time. Like Grimes is totally capable. And it, and I think Tibbs just feels like they're a little small if you're going to play Deuce, Steven Chenzo, and Grimes. But all three of those guys play bigger than their size. They all play physical defense. And most importantly, all three of them are lights out shooters. And I think Tibbs's premise is like, we're just so lacking for creation in the half court, like I have to have Josh Hart out there because he's the best passer of that group. And it's true, but you know what can make up for like not great passing ability? Like having lights out shooting one through three, which if this is in any way real from Deuce, which we're going to get into in just a second, that's exactly what you have. And I think particularly if you're playing Julius with those units or even if OG's out there, there's going to be enough offense and you're giving Quentin Grimes a chance to expand more of his game. So we're going to get into Deuce McBride's second straight career high next, Alex. But before we do that, uh, I got to tell everyone about our buddies over at BetterHelp. Around... Well, first of all, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And around New Year's, we get obsessed with how to change ourselves instead of just expanding on what we're already doing right. Maybe you finally organize one part of your space and you want to tackle another. 
Or maybe you're taking your supplements every morning and now you actually want to eat breakfast too. Well, therapy helps you find your strength. So you can ditch the extreme resolutions and make changes that really stick. Guys, I, I, if, you, if you've heard me um, talk about BetterHelp before, I'm, I'm open about it. I've had issues with resolutions my entire life. I make them and I just... It's, I don't even think it's aiming too high. It's aiming too extreme. And you have to be a little bit compassionate with yourself and more importantly, realistic about what you're capable of accomplishing and, and, and doing something that is actually sustainable. Because it doesn't matter how crazy the resolution is. It only matters if it's actually plausible for you to get it done. And, and therapy for me makes a big difference in helping you understand your capacity and also what will actually help you. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. So celebrate the progress you've already made. Visit betterhelp.com slash locked on NBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, E-T-L-P.com slash locked on NBA. And today's show is also brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. The NFL regular season is done, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel with the playoffs in full force. A very <laughs> fun, cold playoff weekend full of some really fun betting opportunities, if I do say so myself. I certainly did. Oh, by the way, FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. And the app is so easy to use, and there's so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, which is the best way to find popular parlays, and much more. And let me tell you guys, I've been, I don't know, I've had I've had parlay fever lately, and I've been throwing some down on the Knicks games. I've been throwing them down on some of the playoff games in the NFL because it's fun. And let me tell you guys, FanDuel loves to just throw you free money. Like, they love to just be like, hey, hey, kid, here's five bucks. Go have fun. And, you know, go place a ridiculous bet because why not? Uh, I've been getting so many free bonus bets. It's awesome. It's a ton of, and you barely have to do anything to get them. Like you bet five bucks, you get $5 back almost guaranteed. It's, it's just a very fun way to have uh, put a little extra onto a game. So if you want to do that, visit fanduel.com slash locked on, and you can make your first bet a layup FanDuel official partner of the NFL. All right, Gavin, we're back in. To keep talking about this game, let's go positive. You know, talking about the whole Josh Hart versus Quentin Grimes thing. It's the it's the new fetch. Uh, you know, Emmanuel quickly doesn't play enough debate. Uh, so, fun. You know, big thing to talk about after a loss. But the positive thing out of this game, Deuce McBride for a second straight game sets a career high in points, twenty points in this one, bests his previous total by one. Uh, shoots eight of seventeen total, four of ten from three. Uh, also had an assist and two steals and a block. And honestly, dude, like he's showing more and more off the dribble every single game. He had uh, the two plays that stood out to me in this one. One was getting all the way towards the hoop and kicking out to DiVincenzo for what could have been a, a three. He ultimately didn't make it on that particular attempt, but it just stood out to me. It was very quintessential, like Emmanuel quickly style, uh, Jalen Brunson style, just drive in, like keep your guy like beat your guy well enough that the guy from the corner cheats in to try to help on you and then just whip it out to the guy in the corner. Did that beautifully uh, one time in the second half. And then in, I want to say it was the first half, maybe it was early second half, had just a really filthy, like sort of oh, hezzy yeah. step back on the perimeter for a three where I was yeah. just like, ooh, 
love that. Like that's that's kind of new. I know he can hit pull ups, but to hit the little little step back there, he's it seems like he's adding things game by game. And I'm I'm really of the opinion. I hope much like I hope that Quentin Grimes gets more minutes uh, going forward. I hope that once Jalen Brunson is back, that maybe Tibbs is okay with giving Brunson a little bit of a rest coming off an injury only playing him like 30 minutes a game or so, so we can keep getting like 15 to 18 minutes of deuce a game. Yeah, I mean, the, the leaps in his confidence is, is what's standing out to me, and I'm starting to think that um, uh, despite my trash talk the first few games he started, the, the three years for $13 million is looking like and just an absurd steal, and unfortunately, you're going to have the exact same questions you had with Emmanuel quickly, except even amplified a little bit more. Because I don't know, is is Deuce listed as like what is it? What, what's his listed height? Six one, six two. Like I think he's shorter than Emmanuel quickly. He doesn't have the Emmanuel quickly wingspan for sure. Um, he, he has close to it. I think he's like listed like six two with like a six eight wingspan or something like that. Okay, it's, so that's it's like that's one not... inch less on each measurement. I think than right. Quickly. So yeah. pretty good, but but it's still a backcourt that Tom Thibodeau is ultimately going to be hesitant to play. I say that because all of a sudden we went from like asking, like, is this guy qualified to be the backup point guard to now I'm asking myself, like, is he going to be clearly the Knicks best option to finish games at the two? And I, I don't see Tibbs doing that in the playoffs because I think they're just going to be too small. But if he's having a night like he had tonight and like he had against the Grizzlies, like how can you not close games with him? And it's going to be this interesting conundrum for the Knicks. And I, I wonder if at some point, Alex, like in that Embiid style trade, who knows if like, th this sounds crazy, but like if things keep going this way with Deuce and like he really is this good of a shooter and he keeps showing these flashes of a handle, like is he the finishing piece in a Joel Embiid type of trade that pushes the deal over the top given that like, like it looks like it could end up being one of the best contracts in the NBA. And that's way premature. Like he might be due for a five game slump where he doesn't make a shot. Like I, I was questioning the shot when he first came in, but to, to your point, like this game was, was again, like another major step, the movie reference, like I jumped off my couch, like step back, reverse between the legs and, and keep in mind, like this career high came with Jalen Suggs on him, who I think many people at this point consider like a top three to four guard defender in the NBA. Like he's probably right behind the Celtics duo. But outside of that, like I don't think there are too many players defending better than him. Like you, you could look at magic Twitter. Like I know it's a dark place, but if you go there with our guy, <laughs> Philip Rossman, right? There are all these plays of Suggs just shutting down guy after guy after guy. And Deuce was torching him at points. Like he had another one where he kind of got Suggs on his hip, like in a pick and roll and just did like this little hesitation move. And then, burst all the way to the rim for a finish. Like he had another one in the third quarter. We missed the shot. I thought this was an even better dribble move where he was doing like a pick and roll with Randall. And it was kind of the OB top end where it seemed like he was going to do a dribble handoff, but instead on the fly does like a behind the back, but it was like a no look behind. He was, he was horizontal when he did the behind the back. Like he was parallel to the sideline, split Suggs and Goga Bataze, got all the way to the rim, ended up missing a floater. Um, but the shooting was, again, just sick in this game. He's now 19 of 39 from three since the trade defensively. Like, he took a charge on Bancaro. He gave up his body to break up a transition layup. He had a strip off of Suggs. Like, I, I know I'm, I'm ranting and raving and I'm talking too long, Alex, but I'm so excited about how he's playing. Yeah, I, I am too. I want to real quick give the trivia. I looked it up. Luckily, yeah. the NBA makes it super easy to look up the draft combine anthrometric uh, stuff. Surprisingly, sure. Deuce measured almost an inch less in shoes than Emmanuel Quickly, but actually has a half inch longer wingspan. Wow. Uh, six, eight and three quarters inches versus Quickly six, eight and a quarter. So he's a long boy. Uh, it shows. It definitely shows when he when he gets those steals and stuff. But yeah, I'm with you, man. Like 
this is feeling like a like a steal for the Knicks, you know, if, if there ever was one. I mean, to have this guy locked up for like three million a year or like three, four, three and a half, four million, whatever it scales, you know, however it scales over the next few years, it definitely seems like a steal because he's proving that he might be more than just a like third string breaking case of emergency guy, which I think I literally called him like one or two shows ago of sure. like, oh, you're in good shape if this is your third string guy. Maybe he's more than that. And maybe you're right. Maybe he is elevating himself to the point where he could be like sort of the finishing piece in a, in a big trade where a team would look and be like, well, damn, we saw what he did when Brunson was out. Like he could be really good. And that's where I'm, that's also where I kind of hope, I mean, this is so capitalistic (laughs) to think of, but like in terms of if the Knicks are trying to really make a big deal in the next, you know, like let's say that doesn't happen by the deadline this year. And, and, you know, the, the big, big, big move is going to happen this summer it makes a lot of sense to keep getting this guy minutes because you want to have as many young guys as possible look like assets. Mm -hmm. And like, I hate calling players assets. It's such a dirty, grimy term, but that's how they ultimately become during trade negotiations. And like having a Deuce McBride that can go out there and do what he's been doing these last few games. If you can bottle that up and just have him do it in 15 minutes per game, something like that, and give Brunson the opportunity to, not play 38 minutes a game and you know play like a clean 33 where he can utilize himself the best then you're in really good shape i think going forward and and potentially in really good shape for a for a star trade uh but gavin i want to talk about julius randall it's time to we've gushed for too long about positive things one pretty big negative thing that everybody just seemed to overlook and the reporters apparently didn't even ask about after the game because i couldn't find a single quote about it uh Julius Randle turned his ankle in this game, and it, it seemed to really affect him the rest of the way out. Uh, so I want to talk about that in the next segment. But first, do you want to let everyone know about our friends over at Jace Medical? I know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of real life, but can we just take a minute to talk about preparing for real life? According to the FDA, pharmacies are running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in over a decade. This is scary. I can't imagine more helpless feeling than, I don't know, Alex. I'm, I'm going I'm to keep adding around every time we do this read. Let's just say the Knicks are in the second round, taking on the Miami Heat, game seven, Jalen Brunson, half-court shot at the buzzer to win the game, and you're out of it with strep throat, and, and there's an antibiotic shortage or, or supply chain issue, and my, I'm, I'm podcasting solo. I'm going to lose my mind. I might go for two hours. There's going to be no one to cut me off. Or even more seriously, um, if a close family member got sick and there was a supply chain issue with something life-threatening, that would obviously be terrifying. Thankfully, we'll be okay because of Jace Medical. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, tinnitus, skin infections, among others. This stuff could happen to any of us. Visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's never been more important to be prepared than today, so go to jacemedical.com and use offer code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. 
your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. All right, we are back on Locked On Knicks. Uh, maybe maybe we've been accused of this in the past, Alex. Maybe we buried the lead a little bit. Julius Randle in the second quarter um, trying to have a putback on Isaiah Hartenstein miss layup that was coming off of a putback of a Julius Randle miss layup. So this was slightly self-induced. Um, he, he landed on Goga Bataze's foot, turned his ankle, and looked like he was in a good amount of pain, was like clearly wincing, was limping up and down the court. I thought he was going to be out for the rest of the game. I was like, all right, let, let's just chalk this up as a loss right now. Ended up going to the locker room between the first and second quarter, presumably, to have his ankle checked. Um, and I thought an admirable effort. Got to get out. Um, the stat line is not one to remember. Five for 13 from the field, two for nine from three. Um, I mentioned those two big missed free throws in the fourth quarter. 15 points, six rebounds, five assists. Most impressively, like by the skin of his teeth, because he had a few passes that, that would have been turnovers that were deflected. Um, did not finish with a turnover in this game. I thought it was a gutty admirable effort from Julius Randle. Like if, for anyone who listened to that Grizzlies podcast, like I spent maybe two minutes knocking him for not running back on defense. I think if I'm going to do that, it's only fair to acknowledge when the guy plays through a whole lot of pain, apparently did it all of last year's playoffs, did it again today in, in a game where the Knicks just desperately needed him without Jalen Brunson. But now Alex looking forward, they could be in some real trouble if he's out for any substantial amount of time. And we assume Jalen Brunson is going to be back next game, but if that injury lingers and we've seen that before with the Knicks where you hear next game, next game, and then it's 10 games, um, the Knicks could be in some, a little bit of trouble despite having 11 of their next 13 games at home. Yeah. I, my biggest worry once Julius turned it and then came back on it is I'm like, man, you know, again, I, we always preface this with like, we're not professional athletes. We don't have, we don't have pro training staffs. Like if I turn my ankle at the park, I lace my shoe up a little tighter. That's it. Like he went in the back and got it professionally taped and ready to go. And like, that makes a difference. But I, I do really hope that he didn't like potentially exacerbate it by playing on it. Like I almost would have rathered he just say, okay, I turned it. I'm going to go sit. Like, let's just, let's call it a game. I know my team needs me. I know that this is a, you know, kind of, I wouldn't call it a must win, but like, Alan Hahn kind of underscored it at the end of the game. And I sort of agreed. Like he was like, you know, these are the games that like, if, if things get real tight leading up to playoff seating time, the last like eight games of the season, like this game will definitely matter. Like the fact that they had the lead late in this game and then weren't able to close it off. Like that could matter because they're right there with Orlando and it's very neck and neck from like the th third seed all the way through like the eighth seed right now in the East. So, you know, it's, it's going to be a tight battle and, and maybe this comes back to bite them. But that said, like, what would really come back to bite them is if Julius Randle exacerbated anything by playing on that ankle for the whole rest of the game. And then he ends up, you know, needing to miss some time or if it ends up just sort of hampering him for like a 10 game or 20 game stretch or whatever while he's playing on it the whole time. So I hope if it's something that's giving him issue that much like Jalen Brunson did where he sort of play, clearly played through something in a Dallas game and then now has taken a couple games off to get it right. I hope we see the same thing with Julius where if this is going to bother him on Wednesday when they play again, just take game off. Like, it's okay. Like, if they lose it, fine. If you go into the playoffs as a six seed instead of a five seed or, or a five seed instead of a four seed, you know, if, if you're a good enough team, you'll prevail anyway. And, and there's also more moves coming for this team, clearly. So, like, they should get another infusion of talent at some point that will give them that 
other boost, much like they got the OG rocket boost when he first came in. Um, so yeah, I, I guess my main hope here is just that he, he considers his own health, like and rather than putting the team forward, you know, going forward and, you know, says, Hey, if I need a couple of days that I take them, but obviously it's just, it's also very, it's it i'm sure it's no different for him but it's very like like anything ankle related with him now is going to make me wince even if it was the opposite ankle of the mm. one he had to get surgery on in the off season but you know i don't want him to have screwed up ankles like you know it, it, it's not a it's one of maybe the most uh, uh outside of maybe knees maybe the most important you know joint for a basketball player that you have is either your ankle or your knee uh, and if if one of them is screwed up, I hope he gets it right because his long term health for the rest of the season, as we've seen for the last few years, where he's been pretty Iron Man ish, uh, is pretty important for this team. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'll just say one final time. Like, I, I, he did. He he should have had more assists in this game. Like, Precious Achua missed two well, on one play, like missed the ball, and another play just missed a layup where Julius set him up. Hartenstein missed a layup late where Julius like drew two and slipped it between two guys to get it to him. Like. Again, like maybe not the smartest decision, but like a, a gutty effort that I think I think when you hear that everyone on this team, despite like some of the crappy stuff, um, that's that's a, a long, long definition of long story short, um, that's happened over the years with Julius. Like most of the guys on the team still really like him. Like it's probably games like this where like he's your best player. And like he, if he had said like, hey, I probably should just sit like I don't think anyone could have really knocked him for it. But he he like he showed up and he kept playing. And I think that's why guys on this team tend to give him the benefit of the doubt when we don't sometimes um alex i wanted to finish up just real quick like highlighting og ananobi and, and dante divincenzo because i thought to various extents they both had really good games and with og for the second straight game what stood out to me was like his ability to get to the rim like over and over again and like he had a great start to this game he had seven points and three assists in the first four and a half minutes of this game like hitting like a corner three they gave him like this RJ set, like running him off like a little pin down screen and catching at the elbow and then like turning and like muscling through like Okiki for um, a layup or, or no, excuse me, that was for free throws, like had this beautiful like cut in and then pass to Hartenstein. Like those two have really nice chemistry at this point, like missed posterizing both Jonathan Isaac and Wendell Carter and what I think would have been one of the better Knicks dunks of my lifetime and, and, and just missed it off back iron. But I love that he went for it. Um, I, I thought he did a great job on Paolo Bancaro. Like that's like as much as like guys like Maxi make a really tough matchup for him, and Kyrie's a really tough matchup for him. I think Bancaro, someone who gets by usually on just bullying people, is sort of the perfect matchup for him. And and a lot of times when Bancaro couldn't get away from him, like you saw Paolo just be like, "All right, I'm just gonna like kick this out. This is a live grenade. Like I don't want to go at this dude." So I thought that was awesome. And then Dante Divincenzo, like another game where he didn't shoot well, but I thought he picked up some of the slack with Jalen Brunson out just finding ways to get all the way to the rim when he's been sort of lethargic like sort of rim averse throughout this season like he had a floater or in this game I couldn't really make remember making a floater all year it was like turning the corner on drives had like one really nice rip through where he just left Suggs in the dust like had a nice jump off to Hartenstein when, it, when he got the big to bite like hit two straight big threes late in the third quarter that got the Knicks um, back up by nine again his, his finish to this game down the stretch was a little bit shaky but um, just a really important and necessary game against arguably the best defense in basketball um, from Dante DiVincenzo, even when, again, the threes like weren't automatic tonight. Yeah, and I don't really have anything to add or subtract from any of that. I think you summed up their games pretty well. I'll just briefly highlight, because I've talked about them previously, that they very much interested me in the OG trade. Uh, so I want to just highlight Precious Achua and Malachi Flynn get some minutes again. Uh, Achua, it was kind of necessary because Hartenstein 
had one of his first games in a while where he was in like legitimate foul trouble for most of this game. Uh, so that limited him to 28 and a half minutes, which is kind of crazy to say, because that's honestly a pretty full minute load, <laughs> all things considered. Yeah. But for what he's been doing lately, where he's been playing like 40 minutes every single night, that was his his presence was missed uh, in many ways. But I thought Presh Chua probably had his best game as a Nick. Uh, six points, five boards, three of them offensive. I thought that he really showed, I mean, you know, some of the stuff that I read and seen from people that cover the Raptors when he came to the Knicks definitely came true. You mentioned the, the blown layups, and I was like, damn it, man, come on. Like, please. Just it it reminded me of Nerlens in, in a bad way. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, a little bit. But some of the good parts of Nerlens, too. Like, the, mm. I, I thought this was the first game where he showed a bit of rim protection, too, which was good. You know, he had a moment where he sort of, uh, uh, stymie to drive that way, which I liked, and also, you know, did some some good things on the offensive glass and just the glass in general. So that was a plus. That kind of bears out with what the stats say that he's a better rebounder than his size. Um, you know, despite being basically Julius Randle sized, he's actually a pretty solid rebounder. Malachi Flynn, unfortunately, did not acquit himself quite as well. Oh, four, and all those were like wide open threes, and that made it really painful because there were a couple of possessions. One of them was like one of the most beautiful possessions of the game for the Knicks. Yep. Uh, there was a nice pass into Hartenstein who made this beautiful whip around pass to, was it Hart in that case? I forget who it was that was in the corner who then just kicked it right to Malachi and you're like, boom, open three, let's go. Almost get confused for a second. Think it's Dante DiVincenzo because of the red <laughs> hair. You're like, bang, <laughs> that's going in. And then it does, it just <laughs> clang. It was terrible. Yeah. Um, that was, that was Waluigi Dante, you know, showing his, showing himself there. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it was just kind of a unfortunate reminder after how well he played in the last game. We're like, man, maybe this guy needs some more minutes. Like he did some good stuff breaking down the D, you know, made some good passes where he got inside, you know, forced pressure to the inside and then kicked it outside. That's what you want to see out of a point guard. And yet the guy just is so frustratingly inconsistent and can't make shots a lot of times, which is what his career averages dictate. So is what it is. Uh, he, uh, <laughs> as much as I said this about Deuce the other day, uh, Malachi Flynn is fine as a, as a third point guard. You know, I think that I'm all right with him only playing 10 to 11 minutes once in a blue moon. Um, and that being his role, you know, only if Brunson's hurt or something as much as I wish he was more, I still, I still remember when we were so high on him coming into the draft in 2020, but Clearly, the Knicks made the right call with Emmanuel quickly in that draft and uh, managed to turn him into OG Ananobi and, ironically, Malachi Flynn, who I don't think is going to find much of a role with this team. Anyway, Gavin, I think that's that's good for this episode of Locked on Knicks. Thank you all for listening, and we'll be back with more game recaps this week, uh, more things that we'll, I'm sure, think of to talk about. We're maybe going to start getting into some uh, trade primers and stuff this week uh, with some other locked on hosts and other personalities from other teams start getting some scouting reports on potential Knicks targets. Uh, maybe we'll not get some Blazers and Hawks people first. Uh, let you do the math there on who we might want to talk to or talk about for that. Uh, but until next time, thank you all for listening and we'll talk to you soon. Peace out everybody. you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. 
Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 